Hi, John Kuzma from EndzoneBlog.com's Across the Middle Show. Hopefully your favorite uh, NFL podcast that's out right now. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, it's always a pleasure to do this show with all you guys. It's been uh, great having all you guys tune in and listen. Can't say thank you enough. But let's get right to the ticker, start talking about some football. Just get to the news we got for you today because uh, we know how much you love your uh, NFL content. First things up, I want to talk about Luke Kuechly. Man, Luke Kuechly has been just flat-out amazing. And like six seasons of action, he has, I think, over 800 tackles. He's just been completely unstoppable for the Panthers' defense. And when you look at what everything this guy brings to the table, it becomes so obvious that he's just a, a versatile linebacker, you know. Um, Luke Keekley does a great job of filling gaps, whether it's the A gap or the B gap. Anytime he's asked to be a run stuffer, he, he steps up and he does it better than most. And, um, if he has to shed a blocker, that's no problem for him. And when he does, uh, meet the ball carrier, carrier, he usually arrives with a big hit. So to get, that dirty uh, in the middle of the field where you often are taking on double teams, you're often taking on double teams and a fullback behind them, plus a, a big tailback, an NFL size running back. It's not easy to be in the the at the middle linebacker position and have that kind of success because you got to be willing to get dirty. Luke Keekley has done that throughout his career. And not only has he done that, he's done it exceptionally well. And anytime number 59 is on the field, the Carolina Panthers have a chance uh, to win. We've seen Keekly, uh, you know, uh, get knocked out of the game with concussions before. And the Panthers' defense surrenders a whole lot of rushing yards anytime he's off the field. We've seen games where the Panthers were actually ahead in uh, winning, and then Keekly goes down, and then they lose the football game. So it's, it's obvious that. Um, in order for the Panthers to win, they need uh, Keekly in the mix, playing at optimal optimal level and doing what he does best. And it's not just the run stuffing abilities either. You know, teams uh, like to scheme against Keekly and try to use tosses and bubble screens to the outside and just plays towards the sidelines to keep uh, Keekly out of the game. Um, and minimize uh, what he brings to uh, the Panthers' defense. But somehow Keekly flows, and he, he gets out to the outside with sp- uh, with great speed, and he starts making plays out there too. It just goes to show whether it's inside, outside, no matter what, he just has such good instincts. Uh, he responds so quickly, and he uses that great closing speed to get to no matter what area of the field uh, the offense is trying to attack. And uh, then he, you know, he lays it on these offensive skill players or whoever has the ball. Um, so Luke Keekley has just been a lot of fun to watch. He can do it as a run stuffer or flowing, um, scraping down the line and just following running plays. So, and then when you add in all the the secondary skills that this guy bring, brings to the table, he's very good in coverage. Um, he can blitz. He has big play capability. I think he scored a couple of defensive touchdowns. So it, it's it's obvious Luke Keekley is the real deal. He always has to be mentioned with uh, with the other top defenders in the league. Um, 
Nobody consistently brings it like Luke Keekley does. But we have to talk about his one weakness. Um, his weakness is clearly the fact that he's only 220 pounds. That's about 30 pounds too light for a middle linebacker in the NFL. I think that's part of the reason that the Panthers have uh, seen they've seen Keekley take so many concussions over his career. I think he has like three or four. It's getting to the point where um, it's almost putting his career in jeopardy because you only can take so many hits to the head where it, it becomes seriously uh, detrimental to your quality of life. Um, I think in order for the Panthers to counter that, I know this is the last thing they want to do, but I think they should move Keekley from inside linebacker or middle linebacker in that 4-3 defense to outside linebacker. Because when you're playing inside linebacker, you just have to take on so much. And with him being undersized, um, he's given everything he, he can, uh, but his body's burning out. He's just taking too many hits. And uh, bump, get, draft a 250-pound inside linebacker, bump Luke Keekley outside, have Keekley and Thomas Davis on the outsides, and then get that 255-pounder in the middle who can absorb all that contact and it won't be uh, so um, destructive on that bigger frame's body. You know, obviously it's a little risky because you're, you're scared, you know, uh, Keekly would lose some of his tenacity changing positions. I don't think that's going to happen too much. I think he's a pure football player where he can make the adjustment to one of the outside linebacker spots. I just don't think there's any sense in keeping him inside anymore. He's 220 pounds. You know, I wouldn't ask any other players in the league to play middle linebacker at 220 pounds. I think, you know, even though they're getting a speed advantage with him being lighter in the middle where he can, like I said, he can flow great at 220. He just uh, is struggling from a run-stopping point, even though the production doesn't show it because he is getting it done from a production standpoint. He's actually doing it better than most. He's, like, averaging 130 tackles per season. So clearly he uh, isn't lacking as far as, uh, you know, making tackles and stopping plays. But um, where he is coming up short is in the health category. He's really getting banged up from all that wear and tear on his body from playing at middle linebacker. And it's time the Panthers seriously consider bumping him out the outside, drafting an inside linebacker who can uh, be a little bit bigger and can handle uh, – the position um, better than Keekly can. The next thing we have on the top on our ticker, excuse me, is Sheldon Rankins. Man, Sheldon Rankins has been a huge addition for the New Orleans Saints. Um, the Saints, you know, in the last three drafts have went defense early on uh, a couple times. You know, Sheldon Rankins, and then most recently Marshawn Lattimore. And those guys have been so instrumental in turning the Saints defense around. And even though the Saints went defense with those high draft picks, they still had to do their homework. The scouting department still had to dig into the the all the the characteristics of these players. And ultimately, uh, GM Mickey Loomis had to um, do his due diligence and make sure that these players were everything uh, they believed they were. Looking in the rearview mirror, I believe that Loomis made the right decisions because Rankins and uh, Lattimore have been impact players. And you, if you've been following the Saints, you've noticed that um, 
you know, like the past five years, they've had one of the worst defense uh, defenses in the league. But um, over the past couple of seasons, suddenly New Orleans has been trending upwards on the defensive side of the ball. And what a coincidence. I don't think it is a coincidence, I should say, that ever since then, um, the Saints have been a playoff contender, especially, you know, this past season. They go back to the playoffs. They go, they probably should have beat Minnesota in the divisional round. The Vikings hit that, uh, walk off, uh, touchdown pass. Stefan Diggs uh, beats Marcus Williams, scores the, on the Minnesota Miracle. And, uh, you know, the Saints should have won that game. That's the bottom line. The Saints should have won that game. They would have fared better against the Eagles than the Vikings did. And a lot of that has to do, we know Drew Brees in that offense is going to be good because, you know, Brees is going to finish with, more passing yards than any other quarterback in NFL history. So we know just how uh, prolific he is under center. But now this defense with Rankins, who can control the line of scrimmage, can absorb some of those offensive linemen, which allows his linebackers to play more freely and attack uh, a lot, much uh, larger areas of the field than just uh, you know their middle linebackers' A-gap or... Uh, outside linebackers, uh, edge plays, or C-gap. Now these, because Rankins is taking on these uh, offensive linemen, um, these linebackers are allowed to go wherever they want and just uh, use their instincts to flow to the ball and, and make stops. You know, when um, Rankins wasn't there, those offensive linemen were getting to the second level. First, they were, they were teeing off on the initial line, defensive lineman in front of their face. Then they were getting to the second level, and that was opening up huge running lanes for the offense and really costing the Saints in the running game. Now Rankins instead is uh, getting off blocks, getting in the offensive backfield, disrupting plays, causing the quarterback to panic a little bit because uh, he has a basically almost a 300-pounder breathing down uh, their neck. Rankins is also uh, drawing double teams. So now instead of these offensive linemen getting to the second level, they're um, using two offensive linemen just to stop Rankins at the line of scrimmage. And, you know, that's uh, causing them to, the opposing teams, to have to be, uh, they have to account for Rankins a lot, a lot with a lot more, uh, output from their offensive linemen up front you know in the old days you could like i said you could just uh drive block the first guy then get to the second level you know rankins isn't allowing that he can um pretty much go toe-to-toe with anyone he lines up uh with and you know he's only going into his third season you know he's got six sacks over his first two years and uh, those those linemen at the NFL level, they're rock solid, the starters in the league. So Rankins is adjusting to uh, the professional game and what he has to do to match up against those top-tier offensive linemen and what he has to do to prepare himself to be uh, a competitor at the, the highest level of the sport. So he's doing a great job of making that transition. We, we knew he was very good at Louisville. And uh, now that he's really confident and getting more experience in the pro game, it's the future is very bright. You know, he had that, uh, I think he, didn't he, 
he banged up his leg, I'm pretty sure. He had an injury where he, I think he broke a bone in his leg. I can't remember exactly what it was. But, uh, you know, he had to come back from that. And when he's on the field, the Saints defense is a whole different unit. They uh, are just a lot nastier up front. And the game is won in the trenches because, like I said, the linebackers can uh, do their job more effectively. Not only that, when the quarterback's under pressure, they're throwing up ducks, and the defensive backs can make plays on the football a lot more frequently. And uh, just, you know, as far as running plays go, you really want to run away from Sheldon Rankins. So instead of coming out and saying we're going to run it down uh, the defense's throat, these offenses now have to say we have to make sure we're going away from Rankins and really that causes those offenses to play to the New Orleans Saints uh, terms. So anytime you're dictating what other teams do, that's a good uh, good sign of what's to come. And because of Rankins, uh, a lot of teams are playing the Saints game instead of the Saints playing their game. That's what football is all about. And, you know, you can scheme and, uh, you know, diagram plays and draw it up and have loops and twists all you want. The great thing about Sheldon Rankins is you can just play straight-up football, just let him straight-ahead rush, and he's going to win a lot of the matchups. So um, you you add that with all the, the schemes, too. That's when it becomes very lethal. And the Saints have done a great job of just uh, drawing things up to optimize Sheldon Rankin's talent. Um, the last thing I have today is uh, Cooper Cup. Man, Cooper Cup has been sensational. We knew this guy was good coming out of Eastern Washington, but I'm always skeptical uh, of players who come out of smaller conferences. To me, if I'm a general manager, most of my draft picks will be coming out of the SEC and the Big Ten followed by the Big 12 and the Pac-12. But, you know, Cooper Cup came out of the Big Sky Conference. One thing you have to give uh, Cup credit for, he was the two-time Big Sky Player of the Year. So that puts you on, uh, or puts him on your radar if you're an NFL general manager. But you're still skeptical and you're still thinking, man, I want the guy out of Tennessee. I want the guy out of Michigan. I want the guy out of... Uh, um, USC or UCLA so it's a little bit of a risk um, when you decide to take a player out of Eastern Washington even if he was the big time or big uh, sky player of the year two times but the Rams decide in the third round uh, we need a receiver this guy looks pretty good maybe he can uh, come in and contribute for us I think one thing that was very huge about that is uh, Jared Goff and uh, Cooper Cup where uh, they got on the same page early on in their careers. You know, when Cooper Cup came out, Goff and him really uh, became friends. Right away, they started to develop some cohesion off the field as uh, in the form of a friendship. That ultimately translated into success on the field. And um, so many times, uh, Jared Goff would be under pressure and he would find Cup downfield as a security blanket. And that resulted in Cooper Cup 
recording 869 yards and five touchdowns in his rookie year. Now think about that. Um, obviously you have some rookies, which is a very, very small group of small rookies who come into the NFL and can be a 1,000-yard receiver from day one. I'm talking about guys like Julio Jones, who I don't even know if he was a uh, Mike, Mike Evans would be a perfect example because I don't know if Julio Jones went for a thousand his first year, but I guess still Julio Jones would uh, fit in that category just because physically he was so gifted coming out. Even Odell Beckham, Odell Beckham, even though uh, from a physical standpoint he uh, wasn't as impressive because he had, he's a smaller frame guy, just uh, the playmaking capabilities that Odell Beckham had. Um, put him in that special class of receivers. So guys like Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, those are the type of guys that can come in and be 1,000-yard receivers from day one, and uh, they just um, were so physically superior uh, than um, the, the defenders, or they were just so uh, supremely talented from uh, a skill standpoint that they could come in right away, not skip a beat, and really make uh, defenders pay consistently. Well, Cooper Cup uh, was very, very good. 869 yards and five touchdowns. That's no slouch by any means. You know, you figure a lot of receivers come in and they go 400 yards and one touchdown for a rookie year. Heck, uh, if you look at the receivers last year taken in the first round, um, John Ross, Corey Davis, uh, Mike Williams, those guys combined for one touchdown. Um, Cooper Cup went for 869 yards and five touchdowns in his rookie season. That is so uh, promising. He's going to get better. Most players make a huge jump from their first year to their second year just because they're familiar with the speed of the game. They know what to expect. Uh, they know what they have to do to be at their best to compete at that level. I think Cooper Cup's going to go over 1,000 yards. I think he can be in the 8 or 9 touchdowns ballpark. Maybe he'll even hit 10. Um, him and Goff are going to know what to uh, um, anticipate uh, on the fly when they're trying to ev evade defenders and uh, make something out of nothing uh, on a broken play and things like that. So they know where what each other likes as far as uh, route concepts and timing on plays. So I just think that that receiver and quarterback connection is going to be so much better in year two. That's going to benefit Cooper Cup greatly, and ultimately it's going to benefit the Rams so much. Uh, the Rams are definitely a Super Bowl contender. Cup is going to be a big part of all the success. He's going to put on a lot of touchdowns. And, you know, the good thing is, like, if you're a fantasy uh, football player, you know, you don't want to take Cooper Cup with one of your early uh, wide receiver selections. Um, but he's a guy that's probably going to slide down boards quite a bit. And you can get him probably later on for, you know, one year receiver picks later on. And he's going to be great value. He's going to be a starter for you. And you could uh, take those big-name players early on and then wait uh, a little bit later and get Cooper Cup. And th there's a good chance that Cooper Cup will end up taking one of those big-time uh, player spots on your roster. So definitely someone you have to keep an eye on. 
and definitely a great role player for the Los Angeles Rams. What a pickup. Goff's going to be better in his uh, third season, too. So that's going to help with Cooper Cup's output as well. So all these factors have this guy uh, having a breakout season in 2018. And the Rams, uh, they're going to be right there in the Super Bowl hunt, too. Appreciate you guys tuning in. That's all I got for tonight. Check out EnzoBlog.com for all your latest NFL updates. Check out our Twitter, at EnzoBlogNFL. Uh, ask us any questions you want. We'll answer them on the show. Please check out the website and just uh, let us know what you think. I appreciate it. Have a great night.